I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Lars Watson. On this edition, Napoli are back on track in Serie A, but can it last? Also, the new era of Barcelona. What is it and will it last? And last but not least, the goalkeeper or the rocket scientist. Who are you going to call? Talking of last, oh sorry, Lash. Um, I'm asking, well, I'm just asking both of you if there is, before we get into the meat of our conversation today, any interesting uh, thoughts and stories that have crossed your mind over the last week. And I know you've got something that will, uh, you've been teasing us about all week, Lars, but then a Norwegian <laughs> would. changed my mind. I, I was going to go niche. I thought for it. once I've you gone too it. niche. And a, uh, it was, <laughs> I'm calling you by your Scandinavian name now because of Anders Brussel. <laughs> exactly. Anders Brussel. I'm just, just going to fit in with you guys. <laughs> that would be the Swedish one. Anders Brussel. Can I do my joke again? I, I got it the first time. I know you got it. Okay, but last did, did I not laugh? Yeah, no, never mind. It was a Beatles. <laughs> and I was going to go too niche, but no, listen, the serious thing is that Sebastian Allaire is back, uh, which is great. Like, uh, 
it, it's one of those the, the Allaire thing is when our usual footballing vocabulary just it doesn't really get there because we talk about teams having a bad season as oh it's a crisis it's a disaster it's all the cataclysm over mm. like, but, but, but he's had like an honest to god like proper health scare of the kind that completely transcends football uh, so, so I always find it only slightly weird and difficult to talk about it because you have to completely shift gear in terms of how you use words do you shift gear though because well, we yeah, need to well, he's, give people he's, the he's, he's gone through treatment for testicular cancer uh, which is uh, obviously a horrible, horrible thing. And it also just really, when these incredibly fit young men who like dedicate their lives to becoming prime physical specimens also get hit by, by ter- terrible diseases like that, it scares the bejesus out of me, to be perfectly honest, to be a little bit selfish about it. So when you see stories like that, it, it's really unsettling, of course, for him and for his family that he's had to go through that. Uh, so seeing him be back uh, for, Ju- uh, for Juventus, for, for, for Borussia Dortmund, uh, and scoring a hat-trick in a friendly last week uh, against Basel. Hat-trick? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, he's back. He, he's though? back. He's looking sharp, and, and could even play this weekend, which is tremendous. It's uh, an amazing it's, story. It's a great human story for him, and and again, shifting gear back to our usual sort of uh, uh, for, you know vocabulary of football of hyperbole of nonsense. It is also great for Dortmund uh, in a way that kind of doesn't matter, but it does for the stuff that we're going to talk about in this pod. Yeah, indeed, and well done, and from all of us, actually, we wish Sebastian mm. Haller mm. obviously very well, former West Ham centre forward, amongst other things. Um, so you will have to follow that with another good news story, Andy. Maybe not quite to the same extent, um, but it's it's clear that uh, you know one if you didn't at least participate in a Supercopper in Saudi Arabia this week. And um, we, no we, we had the Milan derby for the Italian version on Wednesday night. And correct me if I'm wrong, we spoke with Nikki in the first uh, OTC of 2023. And she said, the thing about Inter is they might not get everything won, but they can beat absolutely anyone on their day. And um, they did. They, they, they won 3-0. Um, Federico De Marco, um, who's a childhood Inter fan, Inter products, uh, scored the opener, brilliant opener it was. They played really, really well. And I think the, the two things that I would take from this, firstly, the fact that, let's be honest, of, of course he's in a difficult spot at the moment, but Inter looked better without Lukaku. I think the the, the Jeco lautaro partnership is, is, is terrific and they were really terrific in this. The other thing is, Milan aren't winning anymore at the, at the moment. It was a poor performance. Um, they exited the Coppa Italia recently. Um, they've let Napoli take a, a big lead at the summit of Serie A, having started really convincingly with that first performance against Salernitana um, after after Christmas. And uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're not looking in great form to defend their Scudetto. And also just minor point, but it's so fascinating to me watching that touch and finish from Latar Martinez for the third one, given that just a short while ago at the World Cup, like he looked like he couldn't hit the water from an oil rig. Like he was just <laughs> so completely out of it. And just he's had a little break now. And what a goal that was. So can we recognise Dzeko as the Lautaro whisperer? I don't know, I don't know but again, about Dzeko, I mean, for listeners who haven't seen the highlights yet, do check them out because that Dzeko goal... Definitely rolling back the years territory, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he, he's not moving like a man his age on that goal there. Big role in the DeMarco one as well. Yeah. Let's stay with Serie A for our first conversation, uh, which is about the return of Napoli. And what a way to return by hammering uh, one of the big guns of Serie A. Who wants to talk about this? Um, 
Napoli versus Juve, arguably a, a match of different football philosophies in, in terms of coaching. Not arguably, you're 100% right. It, it really is. And um, that's what made this, I think, so interesting from the start. But, you know, sometimes when you get these absolutely titanic clashes, the anticipation is such that they're always going to let you down. You know, there's no other way. And this didn't. This went above and beyond. It matched high expectations and totally surpassed them. Maybe not in terms of an actual struggle, or at least not not past not much past half time. I think the, the the first half there was there was some entertaining push and pull, but then second half, Napoli just absolutely steamrolled them. And given that Juventus had only conceded seven goals all season, to put five past them from Napoli's perspective is extraordinary because since they lost that first game back at Inter on Epiphany, we questioned them. Other people questioned them and people were right to question them. You know, as Nicky was saying to us, they, they started last season absolutely brilliantly as well. But this has felt a little different. You know, they recomposed themselves by winning that game at Samp, which obviously Samp are one of the weaker teams in the division, but that was a game when they're playing at the Morassi in a very heavy atmosphere after the death of Gianluca Vialli and Napoli did their job neatly and professionally. And then they came into this and this was first 10 games of the season in Napoli when they were mauling everyone, when they were mauling Liverpool. They were absolutely sensational in this. And obviously, so much focus will be on Victor Zeman and Kvisha Kavaraskelia, and, and quite rightly so, because they've been two of the best players, not just in, not, not, not just in Italy, but in Europe this season. They're, they've been amazing. But I think, Lars, that the key to Napoli getting this done, that midfield is really something else. And when you bear in mind at the start of the season um, of all the big players they lose, and we know they lost Koulibaly, they lost uh, Mertens, they lost Insigne. That's what made people doubt Napoli going into this season. But losing Fabian Ruiz, I felt, felt was a big one because he was a player who um, will get better unlike those other ones that we've we've just mentioned, who've had brilliant, illustrious careers. But the fact that he was going was a sense... Why was he so important? Uh, because he's someone who's who's been brilliant since he's got there, um, because he's a terrific passer of the ball, because he scores goals, because he sets the tempo in midfield. PSG came and got him for a reason. And the fact that Napoli couldn't tie him down to a new contract and they had to let him go like they'd let... Edinson Cavani go in the same direction or Ezekiel Levetsi back in the day. It was like a recognition of, you know, we're not quite there. We're not quite at the summit. It felt like the real end of an era. But then, Lars, you look at that midfield and um, Zambo and Gisa has been incredible since he's arrived there. Zielinski, I think, has been playing the best football of his career under Spalletti. And then you look at Stanislav Lobotka, yeah. who's been magnificent all season. And this is the thing I was going to bring up, because Anguissa was good already last season, and Zielinski, you've seen flashes. He's not been as consistent as this season before, perhaps, but you've, you've always known there's a player there. But, but, but Lobotka and that anchor role, he's been there for a couple of seasons, just as a sort of a bit part player who's never really established himself. And, uh, and and he's gone in, and he's he's a former... He spent some time at Ajax when he was young, but he's a former Celta Vigo uh, midfielder from Slovakia. And he's gone in, and he's one of these midfielders who 
You couldn't plug him into any midfield anywhere and he'd work. But he has a very specific role in this team, which is just to keep the ball moving, just keep it ticking. Like he moves it beautifully and he, he hardly ever misplaces a pass. And, 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 and nothing special, nothing fancy, but he just keeps it moving. And it, it's such a key uh, part of the, the sort of flowing nature of, of Napoli's mm. football that you have a guy at the base of midfield who can just effortlessly and, and casually keep the ball moving with, with, great, with a great feel for the tempo and, and with a lot of precision. Uh, very, very impressive. And uh, I think losing of the big guys as well, that's one thing. You lose the heroes, you know, Dries Mertens, the adopted son, you know, big Koulibaly in defence. You know, these are big gaps, but it's also the fact that some of the guys that were brought in in the summer were not that impressive on paper. And, and, and now that's obviously been proven to be to be very stupid. I mean, uh, uh, Min, Min Jan defence has been tremendous. Uh, obviously, Kvaratskhelia is the sort of breakout talent of European football. Uh, but I think a lot of the unease going into the season was the fact that listen, our big guys are gone, and we replaced them with with with, with these dudes who we've never heard of. Uh, and in addition to that, really working out very surprisingly well. I think one of the things that gives me a little bit of confidence in Napoli going forward is that. They've got a squad there. Like if it, it, it's not just the first yeah, eleven, yeah. There's, there's real strength. It, it, just looking in this game, I mean, we've seen when Osimhen was out, uh, young Cholito Simeone was was scoring goals and was being useful. Raspadori is knocking around there. He's mm. a very useful player. Uh, like Chucky Luzano, you forget about. He's a super talented wide player. Can be inconsistent, but can be really, do really good things. I'm like, glad you a, mentioned these guys because I thought you're getting a lot of strength. I thought you're getting high off the Tangi and Dombele well, highlight reel against Cremonese in the Copa earlier. Yeah, in the week. which is the one when they nice lost. As that was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's in Dombele in a nutshell, isn't it? The highlight reel was good, but the team lost. The, 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 I mean, well, the the, the the real moment for Napoli in this season was losing to Inter, wasn't it? And that was the point where you thought that they might come off the rails slightly, but they seem to have regrouped. And it, I wonder whether it's a, it was a different uh, Napoli that faced Juve or whether we should look at the difference in tactics. Yeah. It, it was it was totally different because they just had a real off day, I think, at Inter because like we said at the time, didn't we? They just didn't create anything. And that felt like a shock. To see this Napoli team that's been so adventurous this season, so Spalletti-ish, so front foot, look just so bereft of ideas. But, you know, that can happen, I think, with a break of rhythm. And it doesn't look like a swallow's going to make a summer in, in, in this case. What I think is interesting, though, particularly when we talk about that style of Spalletti, the fact that facing Juventus... It, without getting too sanctimonious about it, it does feel a little bit like a fight for the soul of football. Not because of the off-field stuff so much, although that, that is part of it, obviously. I think it's the fact that, you know, Spalletti, him and Allegri are, are just such diametric opposites. And you, you think about, you know, they're, they're, they're both from Tuscany, so they, they're both like... um a sharp retort, it's fair to say. Is that and, a Tuscan thing? I didn't know. Uh, apparently so. Okay. And um, yeah, uh, before the game, when Spalletti, knowing what pressure is his team were under, knowing that people were thinking they would hit the Juventus brick wall, yeah. he said, well, look, we're, we're two um, opposed philosophies of football. They say, um, Allegri says that um, winning's not the most important thing, it's the only thing. Here at Napoli, it's different. It's about heart and soul. We had Maradona here. It's about a dream. And you think, wow, that is a lot to put out there. And then they go out there and play like that. And mm. the win, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it's about the style as much as the result. Uh, and uh. With, without getting 
too over the top on this, like I said. Given that it, it makes me think a little bit of Italy winning the Euro, Euro 2020 because there's still this sense and it's, it's a sense peddled by Allegri and it's a sense that's been growing in recent weeks, even if Serie A is much more open than it used to be, much more attacking football than it used to be. There was that feeling of the pursuer catching up and like Juventus are going to grind everyone down. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I think it's a beautiful thing. If the teams who haven't got the most money, who can't do whatever they want in the transfer market, the, the, the idea of Napoli and Arsenal with a particular philosophy, building things in a particular way, playing a certain type of football, go and win two European leagues in the same season when they're not owned by states. I think that's that's quite interesting. And it does feel like a big difference. I mean, the the natural thing is to look back on previous uh, Napoli campaigns that have almost been successful when they've yeah, almost gotten sure. there under Sarri, for instance. And, and, and this aspect, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but this aspect of the fact that they have a squad feels like a big difference. Mm. I think with that Sarri team, the depth wasn't quite the same and you were kind of relying on your main guys to do the thing. And listen, don't get me wrong, obviously this team is all about Quaraskelia, it's all about Osimhen, but you've got a toolbox there for for Spalletti to, to turn to from these guys who are just reeled off on the bench. You've got like, if, if it's not quite happening for them, you have a bunch of guys you can turn to who can add something a little bit different. And it's, they have stood up this season when called upon as well. It's a really yeah. impressive amount of depth uh, for them to have uh, assembled, especially given that uh, Aurelio de Laurentiis has so often been accused of being a bit stingy and a bit cheap. I think this move last summer of letting some really high earners go and, and using some of that financial wiggle room to to assemble a squad and adding some depth, I mean, that, that that's obviously looking like a masterstroke now, especially because some of the outside-of-the-box uh, signings have really worked. And if Napoli do win it, if they do go win it, despite all the competition and the chase that's on, um, what does that? Where does that leave the philosophy of Italian football? Then it leaves it with Spalletti. Surely that it's about. I think it much already is though. More. I think it already is because, like I said, you look at the way that Italy played in in Euro twenty twenty yeah. and the way Mancini wanted his team to play. But that was about winning, wasn't it? No, it was it was it was it was, it was great for all of football. I think mm-hmm. the openness with which they played, the bravery with which they played, it felt like it felt like something that reflected Serie A, I thought. And you know, that's that's always going to be the case you could argue with teams like England and Italy where most of the players play at home that that is going to reflect the characteristics of the the, the native league. But I thought the the way that Italy played, it really it really gripped the imagination. Obviously, there'll be England fans listening to this going, "Well, look, I wanted to win Euro twenty twenty. Yeah, fine." But but <laughs> I think I think globally, the way that Italy won a tournament in a way that a tournament had not been won by an international team for a while, in a way that Euros or a World Cup had not been won for a while, was a positive thing. This wasn't Greece in. Um, 2004 it wasn't Portugal in, in, in 2016 sure, but where does all this leave Allegri then because he's the old school he's saying football is about winning where does it leave him if Serie A has moved on from that well I, I think it's clear that there's still a place for different philosophies and we've seen that with the success that Juventus have had over the last little while and you know Allegri has always maintained that look I'm just holding the fort until Chiesa, who they've been very careful with as he comes back from injury, and Pogba come back. And, you know, the second half of the season is going to be a, a different season. But this was like, okay, well, like you've got your plan, but maybe it won't quite be enough. Which, like I said, for a neutral is 
a reasonably positive thing, I think it's fair to say. Also, okay. I think just just being as dour as they are, like, unless you're winning, it's absolutely no fun. Like, <laughs> it's like, mm. if you're top of the league, you know, and you're winning the league, and you can go, go along with it. But it's just such an uninspiring... Like, they've scored 27 goals so far this season. Like, it, it's 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 not... It, it's not very impressive, I think. Um, but if this is if this is a transition back to Allegrismo, I suppose you would call it, then if that, if they finish second or third, that would that would be I, I think quite an acceptable season for Juventus. Getting I mean, back obvious, in the Champions League as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. But it will be so much judged against the background. It's, it's not really what Allegri does. It will be judged against the background of what happens with the current accounting allegations and where that leads them. Yeah, so you don't really know the state of the club. I mean, four yeah. go- a, a mighty four goals more than Salernitana in 16th. Well, well done, Juventus. Very <laughs> I'm, impressive I'm, stuff. I'm glad you brought us uh, on to Salernitana <laughs> because we've got a question here on Instagram and you can get in contact with us Anytime during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotter and Addy Bio, at Andy Brassel and at Lars Severston. Um, what is going on at Salonitana? Well, champion shoe thrower uh, David Nicola was fired as coach um, on Monday. They were beaten 8 2 at the weekend. Did you want to explain the shoe throwing bit? I, I uh, thought that he, was only he got, like he, Iraqis when he, he President got, George W. Bush is there. Well, he, he got so annoyed with his players last year that he threw a sneaker on the pitch during the game. Um, but uh, David Nicola, yeah, yeah, you've been watching too much of that. It's, uh, basketball it's very business. much a future sort of quiz question. What does uh, George W. Bush and the Salernitana players have in common? <laughs> <laughs> People hurl shoes at them in frustration. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be. Um, so at the weekend, they were beaten 8 to uh, Atalanta. Um, that was considered that was considered a, a little too much. They removed him on Monday and reappointed him on Wednesday. Oh, now of course, like reappointing the old coach is not such an unusual thing in Italy, and maybe that's something that will happen more in the football world as we go forward. Because of course, the way that it happens now, it if, never a, co- works, though, if a coach is fired. Who said anything about it working? <laughs> it's all about temporary relief. That's all football's ever about. Yeah. But I, I mean, what what happened? What, what tends to happen these days is um, when coaches get fired, rather than uh, getting a severance pay or the rest of their contract paid off, they are paid continuously until they get a new job. Hence, why. Schalke, for example, have been in the position of paying four coaches <laughs> over the last the, the last little while. But um, so, so in Italy, they've taken that to and beyond its logical conclusion by coach one gets fired. It's replaced by coach two. After they get sick of coach two and he gets fired, coach one comes back because he's still on the payroll. Basically, it's, it's, it's the cheapest possible option. But in this case, obviously, it was an, a far accelerated version of that process. And I think with uh, Davide Nicola, he's just a silver tongued devil. And he said he uh, talked his president round. <laughs> In verticale la palla per Politano che la gira di prima dentro deviazione e poi Kvaraschelia! Osimen la butta in porta 1-0 1-0 Napoli Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Well, I suppose if Australia can be part of the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, <laughs> there's no reason why we should raise an eyebrow when the Supercopper is played in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Barcelona win it 3-1. And Jack has asked us on social media, how significant was this victory for Barcelona? Who wants to go? Lars? I, I think it was a little bit significant because it, it's easy to scoff at these sort of... Uh, uh, these super cups. I'm trying to find a sufficiently insulting but not problematic way of describing them. I mean, it, 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 it is. I'm not. I'm not. A, I mean, it's already a, a Norwegian would. It's just already a. It's already a slightly irrelevant tournament that you've made further irrelevant by selling it off to the highest bidder. Like it's a profoundly soulless exercise, right? But every time Real Madrid and Barcelona play each other, it's in a, in a semi-competitive game. At least you know something's on the line. They they do. Do get to lift a shiny bucket at the end of it, and there's something about the context it's a here. Okay, so, by the way, it's, it's, not a it's, it's, it's well, and it's it, there is something about the context here, which is that we've had the World Cup break. We're all just kind of wondering a little bit, like what are the teams going to be like when they come back from it? All this sort of thing, you know, where, where are we in relation to each other? Um, Barcelona team being very much a work in progress, all this sort of stuff. So, so, so when you get a, a game and a result that's as one sided as this, I think it does give it a bit of a significance because Barcelona were so much better that I know it's just one game and, and it's a long season still and they are just three points behind Real Madrid so anything can happen they're Real Madrid at the end of the day but man Barcelona looked a lot better here <laughs> yeah they did and I, f I think you look at the midfield in particular the performances of Gavi and Pedri were outstanding and I, I think it really underlined that that 
slightly moving away from four three three four two three one that Xavi's installed is, is is working pretty well, um, and I think you saw the joy with which they celebrated it. I think that that was that was quite significant We're as back. well. Yeah, and a sense of like actually maybe we can win La Liga <laughs> yeah. against these these monsters who never lose. And Lars is right. I think it, it looked as if if you didn't. If you weren't aware of the two teams, you would feel there was a class gap on watching this. If you weren't it aware really of the teams way, and the players, it? it did. I I think so. And then you had on the on the Monday various parts of the Madrid press sort of pining for Casemiro, going, oh, you know, "That's the yes, guy you yes. need to win finals," <laughs> yes, rather than just it's one match and we were second best. Just like if you think of um, Ancelotti being under pressure before for losing the Classic of four nil at home to Xavi's Barcelona when it I, I think it was it was either the first or second Clasico they they played. Also like just as as good as Casemiro is and has been for United, I have to confess I did not watch this game thinking, you know what Real Madrid need another old guy in midfield. That's exactly, exactly. what the situation but calls for. Like that, that was not of, my impression, I have to say. It's it's a funny thing, isn't it? That that sense of you need you need experienced players to win big trophies. I think there's there's a question of interpretation here because is this really a big trophy or does it just feel significant because it's these two but and there's a trophy it's, it's, at it's, stake. It's hardly even a trophy. It's fully irrelevant but, but that's just, irrelevant just, because... just, just because of the fact that it's a it's Real Madrid versus Barcelona and it's a Barcelona team mm. that's in a process of evolution exactly. that has a few young players who are finding their feet a young coach who's still finding his feet so when they have a game against their arch rivals where they're this superior obviously that, that does mean a little bit and it, That's it, what puts coaches under pressure, isn't it? Not just losing, but losing in the way that you've lost. Well, yeah, it makes it, you think a little bit. I think, I think our, there are mitigating circumstances here for Real Madrid. Uh, Aurelien Chouameni not being there, I think, matters quite a lot. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Camavinga obviously has a lot of talent, but he didn't couldn't quite get into this game. Mm. And, and I do wonder, listen, most games in La Liga, it's going to be perfectly fine, but you do wonder that against the very, very best opponents, can you still do a midfield with both Kroos and Modric in there is that still something that's workable especially especially if Chomeni's not in there to do a bit of extra running um, some of these questions are there and also you know if you Real Madrid had the weirdest season last year because they, they very, very rarely looked that convincing but they ended up winning the Champions League in La Liga right so th- th- that's kind of good uh, and, and so much of that was Benzema having an amazing year and Vinicius Junior having a breakout year, mm. that and, and the rest of the team just doing the basics seems seems like it really damning them with faint praise. But I felt a lot of the games I watched, it felt like that was what was going on. Now in this game, Benzema wasn't at his sharpest. I think it's fair to say, and Vinicius Junior was very ineffective by his standards. And you had a midfield getting overrun by a sort of much sharper, more you know aggressive and and just quicker looking uh, Barcelona team. It was a bit of a mess. It's funny, during January particularly, I think it's fine to be bored by transfer sagas, but if we are at the beginning of the Jude Bellingham transfer saga, I think it's genuinely interesting. The idea that Real Madrid and Liverpool are kind of neck and neck in terms of both trying to get him. It doesn't seem like he's given any even indications of where he might prefer yet. I think it has a huge bearing on how the next three or four years probably goes in Champions League circles. I think Bellingham makes that much of a, a difference. I mean, you would feel if Bellingham arrived at Real Madrid 
that would lock it up in terms of their midfield. Mm-hmm. If you talk about like you know needing to move on, if you imagine Chouameni, um, Bellingham, a slightly more mature Camavinga, and some of his difficulties, I would argue, have not really been of his making. Like I think he played like left back during the World Cup yeah, final, having having had a difficult time there earlier in the tournament and made a made a pretty good job of it. So and- I, I think it's, it's it's really interesting to see how that's that's going to go. I think. The thing is, because it's Angelotti at the helm and because he's considered in his own way, not in the same way as Allegri, but almost in his chameleon-like qualities as a sort of pragmatist, he's he's not an idealist like Xavi. Mm. Whereas Xavi, it's, easy, it's easier to feel the wind of change because he's like, come up here on the roof, feel the wind. Whereas Angelotti's not like that at all. It's very different. And there's also something about how they're not really and haven't been for a very long time uh, Real Madrid, a team with a very clearly defined system. It's not really about mm. the collective in the same way that it is for other top European teams. My individuals it's, will meet the required standard because yeah, they're great Yeah, they'll do the basics properly. We'll defend yeah. properly. We'll dominate possession because we've got absolute geniuses in midfield and we've got a couple of guys up front who are going to score a goal at some point. Mm. Like That's kind of been the vibe, right? And w- when that's the case... It, when individuals aren't quite at it, then it looks very bad, like when there's not a collective system to fall back on. Of course, Barcelona have got their problems as well because although they've gone nine games unbeaten now in all competitions, they're still a selling club. They're still going to have to sell, aren't they? Yeah, and particularly because they didn't make the last 16 in the Champions League mm. for the second successive year. Lol. It was in- interesting seeing uh, Joan Laporta, the president, um, go to La Liga and say... Um, we need you to augment our salary ceiling, um, our salary cap by 15% uh, this this January. And obviously, one's immediately normal reaction was the bloody brass balls of this guy. It's outrageous. His reasoning was, we didn't sign up for the CVC hedge fund deal. So everyone else has, has like had a, had a bit of a, a capital influx, but we haven't. It's like, yeah. Like, that's fine. It was your decision not to not to sign for it. So anyway, that yeah. they were always going to be in this situation, and they're kind of obfuscating a little bit with saying, "Can we have fifteen percent um, more, more more salary cap? Uh, can we um, talk about the Super League again?" It's like, why can't you just manage things properly? That would be better because basically, <laughs> what they're going to have to do is sell someone pretty big this this January if they can possibly do it but it, it's tough for them because of course they look like uh, of course Rafinha has been mentioned since um, Arsenal didn't complete the Mihailo Mudrik signing um, Arsenal have been linked with Rafinha Rafinha came out and very clearly said after the Supercoppa it's great to win a trophy with Barcelona I hope to win many more <laughs> which is his way of saying Good luck. S- sell, Good sell, luck sell, getting rid of me, fellas. Sell me if you can. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. Frankie de Jong yeah. all over again. So here they are, moving around the margins, trying to get off five months of paying Memphis to pie. With the great irony being that I thought one of the things that really worked in this game was adding Frankie de Jong to the midfield and actually pushing Gavi into a slightly yeah. more attacking role, having de Jong next to Busquets with, with Pedri buzzing around. But his quality was never actually in question. Was, no, was but it? they've found a way because obviously if you're going to do the classic Barcelona 4-3-3 and you're still going to have old man Busquets at the anchor because, mm. you know, he's hard to replace mm. and you've got Pedri and Gavi as the two eights, there's no obvious place for Frankie de Jong. So you think, okay, maybe we cash in on him. But but this little change in formation that seems to find a way of accommodating de Jong yeah. that really, really worked against Real Madrid looked fantastic. 
This question, Ironically, now they want to move them on because they need the, need the money. It's, it's weird. This question, and going back to that little <laughs> little dig that you had about Barcelona and uh, what they can do about Memphis Depay, Andy, this question from the fake buzz on Instagram is Memphis to Atleti, it's a rumour, talk of Joselu to Barca, are they okay over in Spain? Well, no one's really got the capacity to spend a lot of money in January. Uh, the the Memphis Atleti thing that that is happening by the way um i find the relationship between Barca and Atletico really interesting at the moment because Atleti have been almost as poorly managed as Barcelona over the last couple of years and because Barcelona are higher profile it's sort of covered them and now the two clubs they have this interesting relationship where they're they're using each other they're like two drunks at a bar holding each other up basically and so memphis to atleti is needed for atleti because they've let joao felix go and they're running out of forwards um barcelona need it because they could do with getting memphis's wages off the wage bill within that deal it was originally talked of as a possible swap with uh, yannick carrasco going to barcelona now, he's one of Simeone's key guys, so he's not going this January. But it seems he'll have a year left on his contract at the end of the season. Um, Barcelona have negotiated a, a preferential option to sign him for not a horrendous amount of money in the in the summer, which, again, might pave the way for a, a Rafinha to go or a, a couple more forward players to go. José to Barcelona... I, I would like this, obviously. It would be great for the first two weeks, pretty like pretty much like Martin Brathwaite uh, going to, to, to Barcelona. This is really a deal they don't need. But obviously, if you're Hosilu, you would 100% take it, wouldn't you? So... If you've got a problem and there's a goalkeeper and a rocket scientist available, who are you going to call, Lush? None of them. There are very few problems I have in my life that I think yeah. either a goalkeeper or a rocket scientist was, can call. Well, it wasn't the answer I was uh, hoping for. Andy, bail me out. Who are you going to call? Um, oh, oh, the goalkeeper, definitely. Depends on the goalkeeper. <laughs> oh, that I, is if, the right if, choice, if, if, I thought, if, if it's if, football. If, if I'm Bayern, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the goalkeeper, definitely. Indeed. We're talking about Bayern now because they've got a goalkeeper, or they're bringing in a goalkeeper now uh, to fill in the enormous shoes of their previous goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer. I'm, th- I'm thinking I can call him and give him some helpful tips on how to recover from a broken leg. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you'd do. Yeah. You are the official <laughs> ghostbuster in this. But why on earth are Bayern so desperate for a replacement? For Manuel Neuer, because Manuel Neuer is bad at skis. Well, well, yeah, there is there there is that, but I, I guess there are there are two ways of of looking at it, and that's before we get past the the ethics of going on a a little skiing jaunt to get over yes. your, your yeah, World Cup heartbreak. Well, not, there used to be there used to be contract clauses against this. The <laughs> footballers is. used to have that. Yeah. That was a big deal in Norway because a lot of the players who went to England were like, "Wait, what? I can't ski in my holidays. What's wrong with you he people? You can't he's... ride a motorcycle." Do you never remember Stefan Schwartz, the guy at Sunderland who wasn't allowed to go to space? 
Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. been loads of like they had an anti space. He he wasn't that was in his contract. No but, space for you. And like yeah. Sunderland's pretty far north, so yeah. how Sunderland put that clause in there, it's, well, it's then, extraordinary. Really. Which, which of the Bayern players do you think would I go to space? Trying this joke. Nobody's interested. I'll give think, it up. Sorry, I think Thomas Miller would now. be a good astronaut. Well, yeah. What about Bayern? Emmanuel Neuer's injured himself on the ski slope, but they're desperate. They're desperate to have replacement. Yeah, because there is such a huge gap between um, Neuer and the second choice, Sven Ulreich, who's great to fill in for a couple of games. But Neuer is out for the rest of the season and perhaps a, a little bit longer. Um, this rod that's in his leg will probably never leave his leg because it's quite a bad break. Um, It'll bother him in the winter, yeah. by the way. Once, yeah, is, is that right? One sympathises. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've, I've got two rods. <laughs> yeah, well, l- 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 lucky it's, it's, it's nice mm. and warm in Bavarian winters. Uh, and Anyway, uh, the, the thing is... Uh, not only is there a big drop-off between Neuer and Ulreich, Neuer is a very particular type of goalkeeper. We know you have goalkeepers who stay at home and ones who are a bit more adventurous, but Neuer is beyond adventurous, isn't he? You know, he's he's something a little bit more than that. He thinks he's, he's an outfield player. He's, he's also, until he hit a really b- bad run of form which coincided with the World Cup, still one of the best goalkeepers in the world at uh, 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 35. So they needed a proper replacement. Now, they did consider bringing back Alex Newbell, who's in the second season of a two-season loan from uh, Monaco. Um, I I think that would have been a poor choice. Uh, And it was um, communicated this week that he definitely would be staying at Monaco to see see out the end of that loan. I I just don't think he's as good as some other people think he is. Um, And he's, he's been a little bit up and down in Monaco. Largely good, but nothing that would suggest he's an adequate Manuel Neuer replacement. And so they go and get the best other goalkeeper in the Bundesliga, um, Jan Zoma, who some would say is actually better than Neuer. I, I think that's a, that's a debate for a, a, another he's place. He's a goal but, stopper, though. When it comes to penalties, he's got... Zoma is a, is, is a great shot stopper. He's, 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 he's an incredible... Very, very big shout. I mean, uh, better than Neuer, Jan Sommer? I, th- I think as a shot stopper, you, you, you could argue that. I think, I'm not saying he's, he's definitely better than Neuer, but it's a discussion. It's, it's not something that you can completely rule out. Um, he's more than competent with his feet as well. He's a bit younger than, than Neuer. I think the interesting thing is here, because this, this deal will end up happening because Borussia Mönchengladbach have got their replacement. You get rid of one Swiss goalkeeper, you're going to sign another. They're bringing in Jonas uh, Omlin from um, uh, Montpellier. So, uh, Zoma is interesting because they are going for a goalkeeper who is certainly competition for Neuer. And it, he's 35 now. He's going to be challenged at club and country level. Given how great Neuer has been in the last four years since he was last really challenged by Tushtagen at national level, it's happened at a really bad time for him. Yes, yeah, Zoma getting in, they would have to make some sort of deal with him that... When the big dog is back, we'll have to look at it and and see what happens. Um, but that that's interesting. I also just think that's we a talk Hank about... Williams song, by the way. When <laughs> the big dog is back, <laughs> well, well, generally, generally. But it means that Bayern have got a lot of stuff on their plate because they've got a new goalkeeper. They've got a lot of injuries at the back at the moment as they prepare to restart the Bundesliga with this game at Leipzig on 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 Friday. They've only got I think five fit defenders at the moment. One of whom is Daly Blind, who they've just brought in surprisingly on a free transfer from from Ajax. Mane is still not fit, and the aforementioned Thomas Müller. Well, you talked about him being 
uh, a potential spaceman. <laughs> he, he certainly wasn't in this global orbit for the World Cup, was he? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. I mean, it's an annual thing, isn't it, that we sit here in January. I've, I've, I've done this a few times now. We sit here and try to convince ourselves that there are reasons why Bayern might not win the league. That's, that's, that's what we kind of do. And there are some, yeah, there are some, there's some fragility there. Add to the injury situation at the back, just also that, like, like Matisse de Ligt hasn't been great after coming in. Uh, I, I think hasn't mm. fully convinced. So that, 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 there's some, there's some question marks there. No, Luca Hernandez after what happened to yeah, him during the World he's, Cup. Yeah, he's twanged himself, and yeah. I, I quite like the daily blind transfer. To be honest, I think most games in the Bundesliga, he's so tidy on the ball and he's so clever as mm. a player that he's, he he will kind of keep things taking over for them in the build up and all that. But, but it gives me an opportunity to bring out my favorite my favorite saying. It's it's that time of the year again. You, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other uh, campers. You, you don't. <laughs> you know. You don't. It's, it's true. You don't. You don't have to outrun the tiger. You just have to We're outrun back the, on the cross others, country skiing again. The other zookeepers. We're certainly back on the countries in the north where there are bears. You don't have to around. outrun the polar bear. You just have to outrun the old other explorers in your party. You don't, you don't have to outswim the shark. You just have to outswim your sister. You go on, anyway. But, but the point about it is. If we're talking about who's winning the Bundesliga, it's not so much a Bayern Munich discussion. It's a discussion of who's catching them. Like, uh, really. Yeah, it's not really the... I don't think that's really the question. I think the projection is forward to the PSG tie in the Champions League, which is less than a month away now. And you've, you've got to say, a Bayern in a position to win the Champions League. I would feel more confident with Zoma between the sticks than them trying to bumble through with Ulreich or yeah, no, Nubel or whoever else. But you've got to ask, how fit is Mane going to be? Mm-hmm. Is Muller going to find his, his form? I, I think you're right. In terms of winning the Bundesliga, I don't, I don't think anyone's good enough to, to take advantage of any difficulties they might have. The question is, the next three weeks, as a tune-up, playing against PSG I, I, I think is, is interesting it, it feels to me like PSG are favourites in that tie at the moment Look, it was Julian Nagelsmann that inspired this section of the conversation um, because his comments on signing Sonner, the deal hasn't gone through yet, but nevertheless, integrating a new goalkeeper is not rocket science. Usually takes about 15 minutes. Having said that, in November, he said he had had probably the most turbulent half year of his professional life. Let's leave that for now because we've come to the end of our conversation excepting for the moment when you both suggest a game of the week for us to feast our minds on over the weekend. Andy, do you fancy going first on this? Um, Yeah, I'm going to go Dutch on Sunday, um, half past one. And you can see it for free in the UK is Feyenoord versus Ajax. A big game anyway, um, but Ajax... I think all over the place, uh, on and off the field at the at the moment. You can understand why. Uh, Drop drop more points last weekend, and um, Feyenoord have, have have taken advantage. Ajax really need to go there and get some points at the moment. And you know, with PSV spluttering as well, there's a genuine possibility that Feyenoord could go on and, and and take the title this year. And if they beat Ajax, it's a huge step forward to to doing it. Now, um, I think to replicate the Dutch stadium experience, what you should do um, for the food, 
make yourself a hot dog, mm-hmm. put it in a drawer in your house. Mm-hmm. For how long? Um, like maybe half Several hour. Several months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, just before kickoff, go and open that drawer, take the hot dog out and eat it while you're watching the w- game. With some cheese that tastes like cardboard. <laughs> it's up to you. Condiments are, are, are a personal choice. Thank you. And Lars? That's true. Condiments are a personal choice. Uh, I, I think since you didn't say it, I mean, obviously the answer here is it's Abbey Leipzig versus Bayern Munich on Friday night. That is really my game of the week. If you are a casual fan of European football and you're watching one game this weekend, that for me has to be it because you are still hoping, as much as we've totally dismissed the notion of Bayern not winning the league, the gap isn't that huge. And, and there are some, I'm not going to do the thing that we always do of pretending it's going to happen but you know maybe maybe if Leipzig can get a win there you know who knows but I also I want to cheat and I want to flag up uh, my sort of slightly more interesting game of the week maybe uh, is uh, Saturday night Sevilla play Cadiz in in what is a massive relegation six pointer in La Liga which is a weird thing to say out loud because Sevilla should not be involved in a relegation six pointer given that it's not that long ago we were talking seriously about how they could have a title run um, last season but you know th- this is where we are they've completely collapsed uh, lost against Girona uh, last uh, weekend it did get a win against Alaves in the Copa del Rey this week that was important but but even so the situation is not good uh, suggestions that uh, uh, that's uh, Jorge Sampaoli might uh, not be, be, be long in the job uh, that he might quit uh, things are just not going well and uh, yeah if they were to not get a result against Cadiz that would obviously be a, a significant disaster for them and, and Sevilla in real trouble. Food pairing-wise, do you know what? There's an annual tuna festival in Cadiz. Did I you mean, not know? As, as, a, as a fan of a good tuna steak, uh, a well-cooked tuna steak, it's really challenging to cook them because you have to have them in the pan for like not very long. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have a real tuna yeah, rather than some that you get out of a can, by the way. Obviously, it could be hard. It's a fine line. It's the uh, duck of the fish world, isn't yeah, it? It's very- <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but don't you have to cook for quite a while the thing about the tuna steak is that it's, it's very like you have to very care in the fa- anyway there is a tuna <laughs> festival I'd say go get yourself a proper fresh tuna steak from your local fishmonger and uh, and, and see if you can cook it cook it right with uh, Norwegian like promotes fresh fish sorry for the cliches people in the, in the pan it's, you've got to be very I'm, careful I'm not going to quote the Beatles one more time but I will quote Lord Byron tuna's tremendous Lord Byron said Seville in all of Spain, there is no city more pretty. Cadiz, perhaps. Mm. Don Juan. <laughs> the Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 